Hello and welcome to the Game is About Glory podcast. I'm your host, THFC Steph, and on today's show, we will discuss the delightfully filthy behaviour of Tangy and Dumbly at Sheffield United earlier today, what happened against Fulham, and we'll be taking a special look at the legend that is Musa Sissoko. But first of all, let's meet tonight's team. Uh, Milo, good evening. How are you? Uh, good, thanks, Steph. How are you? Excellent. Thanks, mate. Uh, and uh, we've got two questions tonight to kick us off. What time is it where you are? Where are you? And who's your favourite player? That was three questions. I lied already. <laughs> it's 9pm and I'm in the UK. And is it favourite ever player you're asking me, Steph? Oh, I think it has to be favourite ever player. Yeah. yeah. I think it's going to be my first love, which was Aussie. And speaking of which, let's go to our uh, our um, incumbent Aussie, I think we should probably say. Is <laughs> that was good, wasn't it? Awesome Dawson. Oh, that's a segue. That's a segue. That's a segue, isn't it? Awesome, I'll say morning, guys. I say morning because it's eight, eight o'clock here on Monday uh, in Melbourne, and I'm going to go with Gaza for my uh, for my favourite all time player. Sorry, if I stolen yours, there's Ricky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, well, you're for, allowed to have few, to. We're each allowed to have for a few reasons, one. but first reason being that my first ever game was um, his performance against Oxford in the four two FA Cup win fourth round in Yes right we don't want a refer- we don't want an essay on it mate we're gonna move on. Ricky right. just the highlights. <laughs> the- yes just the highlights. Thank you. Sorry to cut you off but not really. Uh Ricky uh, if you can uh, follow follow the form mate what time where are you and uh, uh why you know Gaza <laughs> yeah it is Gaza isn't it <laughs> well spotted um nine PM south coast of England as usual um yeah it's Gaza as well I think from what era I came from, he's kind of the one. He's the one that kind of stood out and kind of his great character, all that. Kind he's of stuff, the one. Led us for Ricky, yeah. and we move to Leicestershire and our incredibly hirsute friend Moby. Moby, good <laughs> uh, evening. I've already told doing? people where you are. What time was, is it in Leicester? And who's your favourite? Well, it, it's not massively different than it is from the rest of the guys in the UK, to be honest. So it's uh, it's one minute past nine now. Um, we're not doing what we're drinking this week then like we did last week which is lucky as i'm drinking some very poor quality co-op lager that i've just had to pick up uh, well, thank you for, <laughs> thank you for the Thank you for the extra and uh, wholly uninvited information. But now we know you're drinking crappy beer. Uh, would you tell us who your favourite player uh, ever Yeah, was? yeah. The boys have actually helped me make my mind up there because I've been flip-flopping, um, obviously, between Gaza and uh, Mr Hoddle. So uh, I'm going to go for Glenn. Um, for my generation, he was just different gravy. And, you know, the, the roll-down socks and the, the shirt untucked, it was, it was a touch of class, wasn't it? So, yeah, the king of White Hart Lane I'm going for. Well, I'm going to round off by saying that I, it is now uh, one minute past one in the afternoon in Northern California on the coast. Uh, Moby uh, and I share would share Glenn Hoddle, uh, obviously, but I will throw in a second one for me, and I will do that because I can. Uh, I used to love Chris Hutton. Chris Hutton was just sexy, especially when he scored two goals against the Gooners for a 5-0 win. But anyway, now I'm waffling. Let's get to Sheffield United. Let's just get straight to it. Look, what can we say? It was definitely a huge, huge improvement on what we've seen recently. Um, and I think that, you know, James, why don't you start by, uh, you know, walk us through what you saw in terms of the game and the improvements that, that, that occurred. I was kind of hoping you weren't going to ask me first because I'm, I, I don't want to continue the knee jerking. So I'm going to actually just tell it like I was feeling it in the game. And, 
Ndombele's goal papered over some serious cracks for me. Um, it was looking very much like same shit, different day. Um, you know, we go 1-0 up quite early on. Kane's goal was brilliant, and that, that will happen some weeks. But it was... And I was trying to figure out where it was going so wrong. Is it is it Mourinho's fault? Is it the players' fault? Is it the opposition being good? And uh, the conclusion I came to was that we have far too many people that just start playing awful football when we're in that situation. And that includes Hoiberg, Dyer, Aurier, uh, even Ndombele, you know, before he scored that amazing goal, it was just like the, far too many people are just playing the, the backwards, the side pass. They're not doing anything with any confidence. There's no imagination. And we were literally about to bring it on ourselves until we got that, that crucial third goal, which made us comfortable. But I was, I was watching it and thinking, this isn't good enough. The commentators called um, Hoiberg a metronome. And a metronome can be, you know, can obviously go forwards and backwards. There was a lot of going backwards from him. And I know he's an important player, and I don't want to start this being negative because we did win and we needed the three points. But I saw a lot of stuff in that game that just wasn't pleasing to see. Well, uh, with that uh, incredible uh, shot of enthusiasm from the top there, and, uh, and as you said, uh, cheer, uh, let's move to Moby, who I know will uh, immediately bring us down with some sort of horrific uh, observations. Of, uh, I was going to say, I'm not going to lift the mood after that. And we all have said we've got to be a bit more positive. But, you know, fundamentally, I think the performance was OK. Um, there's a lot of buts coming now, though. I think we've all been in a, a grumpy mood for a couple of few weeks. Obviously, Marine was, a, you know, was a bit year. of a free pass. Um, yeah, yeah, all year even. Um, I just, I just think, yeah, papered over the cracks, as Awesome says. But you know, these guys fundamentally weren't a lot better than Marine. You know, they've won one game in twenty now. So I know we're getting excited that we, you know, we whopped three past them it, it's not good enough there was fear in our play um, I, mean, I know you guys were all chuckling as you know, I decided I got that board halfway through the first half that I went out to grab a packet of biscuits um, which you found quite exciting um, I had a little nap yes, uh, can, I, can I just half. interject yeah, sure. for our, for our for listeners our listeners should know that we do a little so we do a little chat you know one of those um, group chats that you do text chats and, and Moby said he popped out for beer and biscuits but is it true you've actually forgot the beer I forgot the beer and hence I've just been out before we've started recording. How on earth does a man go out to get I... beer and biscuits during a football match and forget the beer? Do you want the honest what biscuits truth? did you get? Well, biscuits and they weren't that the biscuits stunning. weren't that exciting, but the Cadbury's cream eggs were out. We anyway, sorry to year, but yeah, anyway. In January. Yeah, yeah. Cadbury's cream eggs are out in January. This is how bloody exciting this game was, wasn't it? That you guys have got what biscuits did you get? So, so that tells us the story. Look, the big thing for me, I had a little look back at the forum a year ago, and I think, you know, we've all got a, a good friend and quality poster, um, our friend Gutterboy, that sadly decided to leave us a year ago. And uh, I just wanted to have a little look at what he said before he left. Um, and if I can just, if I can just read from Gutterboy's Bible for a moment, he, um, he was talking about... I think about... we should... Qual- yeah, yeah. You're going to qualify... Was where he is now right yeah absolutely yeah well I'll, I'll, you know let his own words tell us where, where he's gone um and this was a, in the jose Mourinho post and his words were fudge off out of my club you clam um i'm supporting sheffield united for the next year or two until this disaster has played out they are a team with identity youth and verve like we were and then he went 
to Sheffield. Anyway, so big shout out to, uh, to Gutterboy. I hope you had a good afternoon today. Yeah, I hope uh, you enjoyed that in Dombele goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, we've so, from you since. There you go. So, uh, and Ricky, uh, you know, yes. follow on, follow on. Um, I'm not as down as the boys, but I mean, you do have to keep it in the perspective that Sheffield United have got five points and five points only. So that's not going to really suggest that they're a decent team. Um, I thought we started well. And then, but I still think I'm still, I still haven't got full confidence in the defence because even when we gave it away, sometimes even in defensive areas or midfield areas, they still seem to just pass pass their players through our midfield and then get onto our defence. So in other words, the defence never feels mega secure. In other words, they do their defending when they have to, but it's not like it's not like we're defending with authority, if you know what I mean. And that's even with giving Rodon a game today and Dyer. The back three, I don't think the back three was too bad because it kind of it makes it feel a bit more it makes the width of the pitch feel more spread out because the three centre halves spread out and it feels like it pushes our wing backs on and so it maybe gives a little bit more space for creativity. Um, what positives? Reggie had got a good first half, bobbing up and down that left side, but then that seemed to dissipate slightly in the second half. I R- think Roden's looking all right, isn't he? Well, I think Roden. I think the first ten minutes was a bit dodgy, but then he, yeah, he came into it. I think he's just going to need game time, really. I think Jose said that in the post-match interview that he just he's learning basically. Um, but I think he's learning basically to get rid of Sanchez. I think so he can become a substitute for Sanchez. Probably. I mean, that's what I think anyway. But I think Bergwin as well. If he's given less defensive duties to do, I think we'll see a little bit better offensive output from him because he definitely has got some skill but he also knows when to link up and when to when to pass and when not to pass and that kind of thing which we've seen in other games but recently he's been kind of detailed with a lot of defensive work which is slightly you know I don't you know I don't think we'll see our, see our, see his best when he's doing that kind of stuff and what about um anyone want to comment what why did Hoyberg stop the game does anyone know well, what went on there I thought that was I thought it looked to me like it was a flat ball I was thinking he was oh, saying okay. the ball was underinflated but but let's but let's Milo Milo come in here and give us your perspective because you you usually have uh, a, you know a really good tactical overview of what was going on so give us give us your view no pressure at all with that running I, I can't promise that I'm, I'm a little bit more positive than the others I thought um, I thought it was a professional performance um, maybe not thrilling but it was a, it was a professional performance I thought we did a good job um, and whilst I agree with Ricky that. Sheffield United were able to get through us reasonably easy. I, I wonder whether that's partly down to, you know, you've got Ndombele and uh, and Hoybier in, in, in central midfield. So we're, we're, we're one short on where we have been there. We've got no Sissoko. So that's that's a change that's going um, gonna to make it a bit easier to get through us. I mean, the key thing really is, say, we, we, we switched to a back three and that's just Mourinho matching up Sheffield United. He always does that against a team that plays a back three. Uh, he tried to do that against Wolves few weeks back and got caught out because they're playing a back four now pretty much whenever we come up against a team who plays a back three Mourinho will match them up and that's all he did today we'll go back to a back four when we're playing a team that's playing a back four so we're going to go on and talk about Fulham I thought the two games were quite similar actually you know Fulham in the first half I thought it, it, it was you know we were, we were on top but they were being able to get through I think that was similar with Sheffield United today um, at least this time we didn't get dragged back in the second half. We we pushed on, and that second goal—that's that, the difference between the two games for me—is that second goal. Um, it allows us to, it allows us to play. What is interesting is that um, the xG for the game, uh, Sheffield United were on 0.98, and we were on 1.28, and that's largely that's largely down to where we scored goals from. Yeah, you know, that Ndombele goal, the xG on that's going to be 
crazy, isn't it? And uh, Keynes was from outside the area. Most of our shots were from outside the area. Sun, Sun's one against the post from outside the area. And obviously, you know, Oreo's goal from the, from the corner. I fall firmly in the middle of everyone's opinions. I, I felt it was a very scrappy Keystone Cops kind of game, actually, with everyone sort of charging around, trying to make things happen. Um, uh, you know, Sheffield United were very aggressive on the press, obviously, really you know, quite a physical side. Um, what was interesting, and I think most significant to me, was that without Musa playing, we did seem to actually activate in a little more uh, of an attacking fashion. We seemed to be a little more progressive. Um, mm-hmm. Whether we got anywhere, I'm not sure. One of the things that I thought hamstrung us a bit today was that because Roden is, you know, is relatively new in the team, I felt that sometimes where he could have like pushed on forward from the back or made a forward pass, he he went for the safe option many times, which usually was sideways or backwards. And I can't really blame him, but a couple of times I looked, I thought, wow, he's just afraid to make a mistake. And there's still that fear of making a mistake uh, that seems to really sit with us. And two uh, nil, I felt it. We just I can't imagine afraid. why. I can't imagine why, Steph. Yeah, quite I exactly. Can't imagine why. No, right, exactly. It's, but, it's, not, it's not like people are getting dug out for player making mistakes or anything, is it? Yeah, quite, exactly. It's not like the manager doesn't throw everyone under the bus and every can. Not to be negative about it, but but seriously, I think going back, I felt that our intent was very positive and I was pleased with that. I was pleased with the. I think they really did try and push on. But yeah, we just, we, I felt myself uh, thinking without Tungai there, uh, where's it going to come from? Where's the magic going to come from? Because we're simply not able to create without him, it doesn't seem. It doesn't seem we're creating anything without him. He was at the heart of everything. I mean, what a performance. I think Reguillon was, uh, was an example of a player who had an absolutely electric first half and then just, I don't know what was going on in the second half. It's almost like he did a bong at half time or something. But the... It was just, you know, chalk and cheese. Um, and then, yeah, you're right. There isn't enough creativity without, with, you know, La Celso's in, not in, not fit. Endombele can't can't do it all for 90 minutes. But again, like, why why does he let it get to 85 minutes before he thinks about making a sub? I'd say effective subs should be made around the 65, 70 minute at the latest mark. Especially when you're putting in a second half performance like we were. Bring, you know, bring someone on. We've got... We've got good good players with ability on the bench who are getting a couple of minutes a game. It's pointless. Well, he patently, main... he patently doesn't trust certain players. Milo, bring it away. I, I'm saying. So I, was, patently... I, was, I think the main reason today is it's eight eight days till we've got our next game. We haven't got a midweek game, so he was prepared to let let them see out the game. It, it I mean, we were we were talking during the game. It, it was a, it felt like a bit of a missed opportunity. Certainly when we got the third, where we could have got some minutes and some legs there. You know, Lamella's coming back from an injury. Bale's coming back from an injury. We haven't, you know, we certainly haven't seen the best of him. It, it, they're not going to get any better sat on the bench for ninety minutes, are they? Well, uh, I, I don't. What I don't. What I don't understand is, you know, he doesn't. He painfully doesn't trust Gareth Bale. Okay, why? I mean, I guess he has to be on the bench because we're paying him a lot of money. I mean, I would, I would put him on the pitch, but he, he never seems to trust him. Yeah. So why take up any space? Why not put someone on the bench that he is going to play? Why put Fernandez on the bench and leave yeah. Ali off the bench if it's not just to yeah. make a statement? And why, are we, I, you know, what sort of statement does that make? 
Uh, you know, I, what was Vinicius for two minutes? I mean, and, and, and Sanchez for two minutes. Is that so as they avoid the warm down? I mean, is that all, all like a win the, bonus? What's the deal? All, I'd love that all, to be explained. All of the subs were one down the clock, weren't they? That's the only reason he made that. Yeah. Um, Ged, Gedston was a, a funny one for me. It, it looks what, like he's including what? Gedston at the moment in order so, to stop him returning this month. He's making subs to wind down the clock at 3-1 against Sheffield United when you should surely so. be going for the fourth we, goal. You should we, be telling uh, your uh, team uh, uh, that uh, this is a uh, chance uh, to go third against Liverpool and you're going to do stuff like that. Our first sub was on 87 minutes, Steph, so it's, it clearly wasn't a tactical change. It's ridiculous. It. Yeah, yeah, he, it is. He I mean, no, no, absolutely blatant that he was just doing it, wasn't it? Got one on, warmed the next one up, got him on, and it was just tick, tick, tick. I mean, we were joking, weren't we? That you know, great for Vinicius to get on because that ninety seconds in his legs is really going to help build his confidence and get him on for the rest it's of the season. It, it's all it was for. I mean, I think we should discuss as well. Uh, it's becoming a weekly thing, and it probably will until the month of February rolls around. But you know, what on earth is going on with Delhi? Like, what is the what is going on between the pair of them? Uh, why? Why? What, what, what? This? I mean, it seemed like a very loud statement not putting him on the bench today. Um, you know, what's the message? I mean, what do we I, think is going to happen? I I think it's a message between the manager and the boardroom, Steph. I don't think Levy wants to sell or loan out Delhi, and I think Mourinho wants him gone, and I think he's fucking him around in order to sell, send Levy a message. Levy a message. So it begins. Is that what you're saying, then, Milo? That that Milo. sounds like it. Yeah. So I could be wrong. It just I can't see any other reason for it. I wanted to be optimistic about Delhi's chances of still being here for the second half of the season. And, you know, I think I said only about three or four days ago, so it's completely egg on my face for the, for trying to be positive. But um, yeah, that, that's, that's looking like uh that's looking like a loan to PSG more and more and more every day. Um, there's no explanation for him unless it's, you know, stuff that we're never going to hear about like minor knocks. It's um, yeah, that, that's a statement today, leaving him off the bench. He he did an interview. Mourinho did an interview midweek where he was suggesting that Delhi wasn't training properly, didn't he? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. There was some massive, non-subtle Mourinho him, wasn't there? That was it. There's players that make an effort to get back in the team, and then there's players that don't. And and then he kind of damned him with faint praise by not saying that he was in the first category. Yeah. So I think that's it. Sound you know you know what's going on behind the scenes, do you? But then there's that. But then there was that ludicrous comment in the middle midweek about Gareth Bale on the pitch uh, uh, against Marine, saying to one of the lads, "It's really cold out." Something. So, but he said he was cold out here, and I'm absolutely famished. I'm starving. And the Marine player said, "Oh well, you've got to take it. You've got like a sandwich bag or something waiting for you in the dressing room on the, when you get back." Look this up. Unless I unless unless I dreamt this along with, you know, days when we weren't wearing masks. This is going to we be were going to raves and stuff. I, I believe I, I encourage you to look it up. I believe that there is a quote out there because I was looking, I'm like, crikey, what is that? That when Gareth Bale was on the pitch against Marine, he made a comment about it was it was cold or he was knackered or something. I think the Marine player said he's he was gassed. And so I was talking to him and he said, Yeah, I'm starving. And that the bloke said, You're gonna get that there's a sandwich waiting for you after the game. I anyway. Hopefully I haven't made that up because if I have, I've just probably, you know, you haven't, uh, Steph. I just, I just, uh, 
Just search for it while you're talking. Give me a second. Right. And, 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 and the reason I bring this up is if we're if if we can justify and I love Gareth Bale, I spent 200 quid on a replica shirt at the age of 53 with his name on the back, the bright yellow one as well. So I look like a total knobhead with this hair as well. Um, so this is nothing against Gareth Bale. Just any player who is saying that on a football pitch at any time to the opposition I don't care whether they're eight divisions below or, or, you know, it doesn't matter. And you're getting on the bench. I mean, what could Delhi be doing that is possibly more well, lackadaisical than that? <laughs> <laughs> so Steph, Steph, here you go. It was James Joyce, who's um, uh, the Marine fullback, one of the Marine fullbacks. And he said he was blowing a little bit. So I said, are you a bit tired? And he told me that he'd only started training yesterday. Then he said, I'm starving hungry. And I said, don't worry, you've got a Tesco meal deal waiting for you off, uh, off the club. We had a little laugh over it. Just to be on the same pitch as him was something that I will never forget. So there we go. I, yeah, it just sounds like. So it's golf, Wales, food, Tottenham. Tesco's. <laughs> am I be, am Tesco's, Waitrose, am I, Madrid, that order. Am I, being a bit, am I being a bit old school to suggest that, you know, regardless of the level of your opposition, you really shouldn't be discussing whether you're hungry with the opposition. The only thing you should be hungry for is scoring more goals, right? Or winning the game. I mean, I don't know. What could Delhi be doing that's worse than that? That's, that's, I, think, I mean, I think you're right, Mark. There's, there's definitely something going on. But if Delhi is being used as a pawn, in some sort of game, then uh, I, I hate to say it, I think Ricky's onto one. I think we're seeing the beginning of uh, what could be uh, quite an uncomfortable... Uh... Going back to what Moby said, um, regard, I think in the post-match uh, press conference with Josie, he does seem to do that thing as well. Well, now and Dembele's risen back to the first team. There's always that kind of hidden thing that oh, other players might want to follow this example kind of thing. He always kind of insinuates that. And I think that is towards Delhi, basically. And he did say something else in the post-match interview. He, he actually got a little bit animated and was saying about players being able to play in other positions and good players should be able to play anywhere. And anyone that says any different, that's bullshit. And he actually said that. And, he, and do you know when someone gets a bit kind of... There was a bit of a more anim- that he came out with as well, wasn't there, the other day? Yeah, which reminded me of the Ericsson situation 12 months ago. Um, he, and it was something about, oh, you know, I, I know the situation, or I, I, I have the vision, or I know what the vision is, that weird kind of Portuguese-English speak. I know what the vision is, but I can't share it at the moment, or it's not for me to share. And it was all that bollocks he was coming out with when Ericsson was wanting to go, and he couldn't actually say, yeah, he, he wants to leave. And I think I'm seeing stuff on social, you know, and it's starting to leak out and it is sounding like he's edging towards the uh, the edging towards the euro tunnel i think is the uh, <laughs> is, is the chosen way out yeah well i suppose you know, in the, in the spirit of keeping things positive let's talk about the, the possibly the filthiest moment of the season and i use that <laughs> with the urban vernacular and uh, cool hip tones of uh Thanks, Jed. Three-year-old trying to sound exciting. <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk about Tangy and Dombele. Let's talk about that goal. Let's just let's just have a couple of minutes in praise of, uh, of Tangy, shall we? Let's just. Who wants to kick this off? Who he wants didn't to mean it. This? Ooh. Oh, they did. He definitely did. That was prime Berber. That reminded me of the sort of thing Berber would do. Yeah, there's there's no one else in that team who could even who'd even attempt it. Is there? He used the wrong foot as well, didn't he? He used his right foot. Does he have a wrong foot? Well, the wrong foot for that shot. 
Right. I mean, but he, he consistently looks like he's about to not do anything and ends up always doing something magnificent. Mm. I mean, if you were to judge him on, um, you know, the way his body shape is the, is the popular phrase, isn't it? His body shape, which has been ridiculed in the past anyway, in a very tangible sense. Um, he just always looks really awkward, but somehow he ends up coming out like Nureyev. He looks like a ballet dancer. Did you um? Did you see that bit that I posted? This is ages ago about um, someone assessing Tange's uh, body shape with ice hockey player. In other no. words, he artificially like um, lowers his center of gravity to give him all those kind of moves and swivels wow. and things like that, which is quite interesting. And it kind of did add up. It did kind of make sense. Mm. I thought. Yeah, that's a great point because that's actually in that sense he moves a little bit like Maradona used to when he would, mm. when Maradona would roll players he would do exactly the same sort of thing he he used the player being up against him as as a tool it's, not as an incumbent. It's, it's unusual for such a tall player to do that though, isn't it? You you used to kind of shorter barrel chested players mm. doing that, but is it you also who said that you almost you you want players to go in on him to see him roll them and you know, ride the challenge. No, I don't. I don't think so. But he, yeah. I mean, the original Dembele had it as well, didn't he? I used to love seeing people try and go in on him, and he just bounced them off. But um, the thing that strikes me about Dembele's physique is he has got a big ass, isn't he? Yeah. It's not. You know, he's getting fitter by the week, and that's not going away. Um, but that's what I think yeah, I'm saying. Fitness, but yeah, one's fitness. One's fitness does not come from their ass. I mean, you can still be fit and have a fat ass. That's great. That's absolutely permissible. I mean, as 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 Tang is showing each week, he's I mean, got to write right. Vincent Janssen on him. Is that what we're saying? Well, I think what <laughs> I think what Awesome's pointing out, which is quite interesting, is that we're, you're probably noticing Tangy's ass more because the rest of him is slimming out. I'd, right? I, was hoping... I think I don't know if the ass has got any bigger. I think he's getting smaller, thus his ass looks bigger. But anyway, I think he's. But would his ass not get smaller? In proportion to the rest of it, the biggest so muscle, biggest muscle in the we all body. Burn in diff- we all burn in different places. No, fair point. Fair point. So he's not you know. fat; he's just big boned. Yeah. Well, he's big arsed, I think is what we're saying, and I think that arse is what helps him roll players. I mean, you know, obviously he does back. He we're does, he we're does fucked back. against Wickham then. <laughs> what a what a Titanic meeting that's going to be, and we could get into that a little further down. Battle of the arses. We have managed to praise. And Dombele's fitness in the most, uh, I think, the most tangible of ways. And I think, you know, I mean, he is much fitter. He's playing He's playing 90 minutes now. And it's so important. I mean, I felt extremely confident going into the last 10 minutes because he was on the pitch. It's that simple. I mean, if we'd have substituted him, I think we would have lost so much. Yeah. And yeah, that just goes to show how important he is. I mean, you know... When when the when the, the Celso's fit, is he going to be able to provide us with creative security? Where does he fit into this team right now? I don't think he does. I don't think he can compete with Endombele for creativity. Or well, obviously now he's proven he's a bit of a goal threat as well. But he, um, if you were to pick a five-a-side team from our starting eleven, I think Endombele is in there on merit. And I've never seen a time when Lo Celso is. He's one of our. He's one of our essential key key players. Yeah. I mean, do we think that Ndombele is another quintessential street footballer? Would we call him that? Or would we say that he is just a brilliant footballer? Because he seems to have Absolutely. a tremendous vision and a tremendous brain oh. as well. He sees things that nobody else sees. Exactly. He always he never always 
he very rarely takes that kind of obvious pass, which we, we, we complain about with all the other players. And he does that no-look pass, that little reverse. He did, he did it a few times today. I mean, I think that he's... He, who thinks that he's so talented that it might be worth, not San Jose's going to do this, can't we play him in the same way Villa play Grealish and basically give him the ball at all possible opportunities because he's miles better than anyone else on the pitch? Does that sort of sound... Villa that sounds haven't quite got Harry Kane and Son, though, have they? <laughs> Certainly, but that's the good thing. We have got them. So if you give Endembele the ball, he's going to find them surely. I mean, they're, they're our three, you know, they're our three master players, really. I do think we're underrating La Celso, though. I mean, I know he's been out for a few weeks. I'd love to think we could get that sort of fantasy football 11 working, you know, you know the one we all wanted at the start of the season yeah. with yeah. Um, Hoybier holding and then La Celso left midfield and Dombley right midfield and whether one of them plays in the 10 or one of them sits mm, or whatever, it doesn't matter. I still think we need to get that working because La Celso carries the ball really well on those runs. He's a rugged little bugger. He gets stuck in as well. I just think there's room for that. I think he could sit next to Boybier and then just give him Dombley that license to go off and do what he wants. I'd love to see the three of them in a three-man midfield. Yeah. I think they'd be really good. I think they'd be good balance. But Mourinho seems to think of both of them both Ndombele and Lo Celso as, as number 10s, although I know Ndombele didn't play there today. I mean, I'd love to see those three as well, but I think, going back to what we were saying about today's game, I think the one slight issue we have is we have Hoiberg and just Ndombele today, and like we said earlier, I think our defence still did look like they were slightly exposed, and maybe what that adds up to, to validate slightly what Jose's done, is he's just as worried about our defence being exposed as well, which is why he's kind of like packed us with loads more defensive players. Um, so maybe... There is a weakness there that, of course, Jose is massively risk averse. He's never going to want that exposed too much. Maybe another manager would set us up in a different way. I'm not saying, obviously, let's get another new manager, but maybe <laughs> someone else would view it differently. Because it seems to make sense to me. I think because Lo Celso and Dembele and Hoiberg have got a lot of work rate in them, I think. I don't think they're like none of them. I don't think even Dembele is mm. like, he looked a bit lazy, obviously, last year. But now he looks like he... He wants to get around the pitch and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got we've uh, uh, let's 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 bring this game to a close in the next couple of minutes. Let's round off. Let's round off with a a player that we haven't mentioned. He scored over two hundred goals for us, and who I, in our little text chat, had said was uh, was rusty, and who then proceeded (laughs) to turn around and, and score an absolute blinder. And of course, talking about Harry Kane, who I think it is fair to say was not his best today. Um, I thought he was rusty for the first, uh, you know, 20, 25 minutes. Thought he was a little off, thought passes going. But this is why he's so utterly brilliant, right? He just, he can just turn it on. I mean, he's just got, got that X factor. Anyone else? We can't start taking him for granted because I, I've, um, I've got real fear that if we don't get top four this season, he might be tempted. Um, and we don't, and that's assuming that we don't win a, League Cup final or FA Cup or whatever else, but he's not staying um, for the League Cup final, mate. Don't if we win that trophy, I agree. That's I agree. Not keeping Harry Kane, anyway. I agree. I think we at least need top four to keep him week in, week out. He scores that goal today was very nice. So is the diving header in the last game. We're so we're so lucky to have him. It's uh, yeah. I can't think of another club in the Premier League who can rely on one player for goals like we can rely on him. Yeah. And I suppose we should also uh, tip our hat to Serge Aurier for uh, for getting his nut on the on the end of a of a of a corner, a set piece, which uh, Milo and I were discussing recently, and had figured out that you get a goal from every like you know five hundred and 
50 corners a week and get one goal. It's some insane statistic. Well, it's some insane statistic, wasn't it? It was just madness. It was sort of like, you, you know, it didn't bear thinking about just, it. It was so infrequent. And there we are scoring for a corner in the first five minutes. And, so, and well does, done, does, Serge. Does Serge even go up for corners? That's what I thought today. Yeah. I wasn't sure I've seen him in other games even go up for corners. but And, and that there. is where... And that is where we can all take a moment, if we can all take a moment, and if we can channel our positive energy and say that that is the positivity of Jose Mourinho Tottenham, is that he will send Serge Aurier up for corners in the first three minutes against Sheffield United. Once every 48 games. Let's move on. Let's move back to Fulham. Uh, you know, I thought, we, I thought we had a good half, first half, and um, actually probably a good 60 minutes. And then after that, we got dragged deeper and deeper and deeper chance wise we had we created better chances in this game than we did in um today's xg wise it was um 3.14 to spurs 1.05 to fulham we should have been more than one nil up at half time and i think if we were i think it ends up as a different result so i think the performance was okay and we deserved more from the game i think is where i am on fulham and that's the story of our season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been too many of those, isn't there? Right the way back to Newcastle. I think the hurt and anguish comes from, from the game, basically, because it's re- uh, a repeating theme, and that always is going to, like, you know, really annoy you. But, I mean, uh, context of the game, again, I think Fulham, compared, especially compared to Sheffield United, have been, they've been decent. I mean, I've, I've watched a little bit of them recently. They were decent against Chelsea. They were decent against Liverpool. So they definitely, tur- although their league position's not great, they've turned the corner. Scott Parker's got them playing... You know, round in circles probably, but no, he's got them playing um, a lot better. But um, Milo, when uh, the XG was a lot of that stacked up by half time, was it? Do you think? From memory, I th- mm. think it was um, two something at half time. So, look while you while allow you me to jump in there as someone who never pays attention to XG. I can tell you, Ricky, that most of the chances were racked up before half time because what we saw with our own t- uh, two eyes in the second half was a continual retreat. And, uh, you know, and again, as has been happening in these games, and it happened against Fulham, and this is why I found the Fulham game particularly frustrating, we defeat ourselves. We beat ourselves. We make it easy for people. You know, who, when they saw Lookman coming onto the pitch, didn't think, oh, we're going to get even more scared than we already are? I certainly did. I knew the, the fear was already there. And as many chances as you create... And don't take. And as many times as people can say, well, if we converted these chances, it would have been a different game. I understand all that, but we didn't. And so you live in the moment. Football's brilliant for that. You could live in the moment, right? It is all about the moment. It's not about what you did. It's about what you're doing, doing, doing. We just stopped doing. And I don't understand why. Don't under- I don't get it. I, don't, I, I just don't understand why we do that. It seems that the manager has programmed them to drop into this you know this preventative mode but the other side of me says I can't believe that anyone watching that game would have said that that was a sensible tactic for Tottenham Hotspur 2021 to take so if anyone can offer me their views to why they think we do continue to do this uh, I'd love to hear it I can't get my head around you know the culture the DNA of this club you know the, the name of this podcast you know, the game is about glory. To dare is to do. And you've got Jose blaming it on the players, saying he's telling them to go out, be fearless, attack. 
And for whatever happens, whatever reason, the second half, we just soil our pants and just stand quivering on the edge of the six-yard box, asking for crosses into the box. You know, And sheer rule of averages and percentages, the more crosses that come in, the more possession, the more touchy the opposition have in your 18-yard box, the more likely they are to score, whether it's a ricochet, a penalty, an own goal, you know, a mistake. And we're just asking for it. And I don't understand. And if it's the players doing it, there seems to be this massive disconnect. I think Jose saying it's not him. The players apparently, I think, seem to be going and doing it. And I do genuinely wonder, as we've hinted at, as if they're just afraid. They're too scared to go on the front foot because they know that if they do, they'll be the next Delhi. Yeah, just before you come in there, Ricky, I just want to note that we have a guest with us this evening uh, from, uh, from the Glory Glory uh, boards, and that is uh, GPRD81, who has um, actually come up with non-XG observation on the second half e Fulham, my kind of observation. Sun hit post, Sissoko dribbling to box from right immediately after restart, Winks shot, so he's saved from range. So, you know, fair play. There were chances in the second half. They just seemed to completely dry up around 60 minutes. That was my, that was my recollection. But it should be noted, yeah, there were a few chances in the second half. And thanks for that, GPR. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, everyone will hear you in the future. Oh, and, and another note. He just cast. He's the silent voice of a uh, uh, plus offside goal disallowed. I think Milo has got some competition for in-house stato here. We're going to have like a stat off at the end of the season. Fantastic! But this just anyone who's listening, you know that this is this is the sort of thing we will be hoping to do is to slowly, you know, bring bring other people in and be a part of this and uh, and enjoy the the chat and the banter and and also make observations and teach us something so good stuff good stuff but Ricky I know I cut you off so yeah I just think um I think we talked about it before I think Josie really does set the trust level so high that then instills fear in fear in them if they are going to make a mistake because they might you know suffer the wrath of Josie and something and just going back to what Moby said um after the Wolves game he did say that oh I didn't tell my players to do that. Why don't you get my players out here and ask them what I said kind of thing? And of course, a manager can never oh. say that. He can, yeah, but he can never deny something he didn't say if he did say it, because that's just fast track to losing the changing room. Mm. I mean, in other words, he, what he's saying there must be true, because you wouldn't say, you know, otherwise yeah, but, you're going to lose the changing room. But, but hang on, hang on. I'm sorry. When you've got dirty laundry to do, where do you do it? You do it in the street in front of everyone and say, oh, look, I've got a skid mark in my underwear. Sorry, but it's not mine. It's my it's my brother's or my my dad's or whatever. I mean, you, you do your dirty laundry in private. No, you don't the start journalist, airing it out. I mean, come the, on. The journalists are hitting him with these questions now on a regular oh, basis. Oh, come on. I, the journalists honest, are hitting I, him. He's not a novice. He's not a novice. Not. This is a personality set. If he gets the chance to throw people under the bus when he's made a mistake, he's not afraid to do it. And he's ridden the pine for years of saying he's doing it for motivational purposes. Come on. Yes, are, we, are, we, are we going to disagree with that? But he's risking the whole dressing room there. Is he, if he's saying, I haven't said something, and the players know he has, and then he says, you come out and say what I've actually said, I mean, he, he would lose the whole dressing room because basically yeah. he's so throwing what... the whole team under the bus, isn't he? There? I, th- I think that's really? a fair point, Ricky. I think it's a fair point. I'm not sure it's fear. It might be fear. I wonder when we look at some of our better performances, we've played like that. So, you know, some of the games against Liverpool and um, City and, you know, other ones this season where we've sat back, soaked it up and hit them. And I wonder whether it's just, it's become second nature because we've obviously trained very hard for those games and worked on routines. And I just wonder that 
whether it becomes second nature when we're under pressure, that we fall back to that. And then we find difficult to snap out of it. It's a catch-22 as well, isn't it? Goals goals breed confidence, and we're not, we're not pushing mm. enough to get the goals that are going to give us the confidence to stop yeah. playing all these backwards passes and misplaced passes out of defence. Uh, even today, I was noticing in the second half, complete lack of movement. Yeah, from some people, Sun's been off form this month, hasn't he? And him and Kane being on form was, uh, was so much the reason why we were good November, December, wasn't it? Son of put, put that goal in against Fulham instead of hitting the post, and he did scuff it to hit the post. He, he'd uh, probably put that away down. nine times out of ten. Yeah, but we're but we're back to that thing, and and and, and Moby, I will honestly, we'll, we'll get to you. But I have to say, we're back to that thing of if we had we if it. Hadn't it? Yes, I understand all that. And I understand that, you know, Sonny's hit the post twice and he is quite streaky. So he's obviously in a sort of a little bit of a bad, bad luck run. I mean, you know, personally, I have no issues with it because if you're missing chances, then you're, you're getting, you're making them and you're there to make them. My problem is that we stop trying to make chances in these games to miss. I, you know, I don't mind if he hits the post twice more in a game, as long as he, you know, gets another one that he puts in. But we're not, we, we seem to just stop creating chances. And and I'm not going to let Jose off the hook with that. Yeah, yeah. And I will go back to this one so more time, you. Ricky. I will have to say, <laughs> oh. no, no, because this is a very important point. It obviously doesn't quite work with us, or it's not quite working right now. So I just wish he would adjust his approach and 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 find another blanket statement I don't care what he says. Do something to protect, not to, to, to perjure, if you will. That would be that would be what I would wish. I would say I mean I would I would counter that only I mean I agree with you with a lot of I think he does establish a culture of fear. And I think even without saying things, I think the players can feel that and they carry that onto the field and then they go into reverse that. I could I could see that happening, definitely. But I just don't think he can say things. I mean he's not gonna say the players to come out and say things that he hasn't said or whatever, because it would just, it just, that just, that part of it just wouldn't work. I'm not saying he, I agree with you regarding the fear and the way he rules and the way they, you know, the way he, right. his way or the highway quite often. And he's just fearful sure. that, and the players are fearful that they're going to mess up and then they're going to give it in the air for a minute. And that can cause them easy to just move into retreat really during these kind of games. Sure. Moby, Moby, go on. I know that you've been, uh, Chumping at the bit to get in there. So why don't you bring why don't you bring this Fulham's Mourinho mishmash segment to a close? We were talking about the um, sort of dancing between this and the Sheffield game, and it just occurred to me, you know, when the lineup came out at the start of the game, and he's obviously matched them up and gone five at the back, and we're all saying, you know, Mourinho masterclass because we won three one today. But fundamentally, did we actually need three centre backs against Sheffield United? You know, and and this is. Indicative, I think, of you know our approach against Fulham as well as today. He's he's matched up. He's gone three at the back, you know, and two wing backs to kind of try and balance out their wing backs. But you're missing out for this for the sake of sticking Ben Davis in as a third centre half or Joe Roden in as a third centre half. You're missing out a Gareth Bale. You could even argue Lamella could have come in and done some damage. You know, you look at the attacking firepower that we've got in this squad, and we're only allowed to play a maximum of three of them. And that's what I keep seeing, regardless of what the foundation, regardless of what the formation is, we're only allowed three players who can create. And we know at least one of them typically gets pulled off after 65 minutes. Same so you know that if we if we don't play Rodon or we don't play Davis, it's Sissoko coming in, don't you? 
Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. It's and, another and, it's another blocker that goes in. Well, I heard something Terry well, Venable said a few years ago um, when he was talking about the England lineup, and he used a lovely analogy. Just come to me. He used to talk about Bobbies and Jacks, and his view was in your in your team you want as many Bobby Charltons as you can, and as few Jack Charltons, but you had to have a balance. You needed a certain amount of Jacks to allow you to have a load of Bobbies. And if you look at his England teams, that's absolutely what it always was. And he liked players that were, that had a bit of both. Mm. But all we seem to have is we've got three Bobbies and all the rest are Jacks. I think we segue perfectly into the next uh, area of our conversation because the clock is ticking, chaps, and so we should push on. And let's talk a little bit about Musa Sissoko, shall we? Let's let's get into Musa. Um, his, his, his overall career with us so far. Quite pertinent to today's conversation as well uh, because... Um, he played against Fulham. He didn't play today. We won today. The XG stats, see Milo, I'm learning, tell us that we created more against Fulham. Is he, can he be part of a creative side? Where is his use? What do we think of him? Is he worth the 30 million we paid? Who wants to pick up the Moose's Tissoko? I'll go with what I said last week. I think he's in the team. He's a seven out of 10 every week. We know what his ceiling is. You know, he's physical now. We found a place for him. He'll run around. He'll, he'll block things. When he's got his brain engaged, he'll give the ball two yards to somebody else and won't try anything else. And if you do that, Jose knows he'll get a seven, seven and a half out of ten out of him every week. And he loves the prediction. Do you like him? <sighs> do you like him? I'm, I'm totally nonplussed. I'm fine with him. I don't hate him. I'm not a scaramanga. You're not emotion. You're not emotionally involved in any way I with just, this question. No, no, and I think that tells me that I'd rather he wasn't in the side. To be honest, because I'm a Tottenham supporter and I love flair players, exciting players, players that okay. get me excited about watching a game. And that doesn't. It's just you know, it's a it's a square peg in a square hole. Brilliant. But it's no more. He's been. He has been a good signing. I agree with the seven out of ten um, assessment. I think he's probably one of our fittest, strongest players. He bounces people off him. He's amazing in transition, and transition is obviously an important part of scoring goals. But get him anywhere near the box, and he's useless. That's all I've got to say about Sissoko. Uh, easily upgradable. I don't know who's next. Who's next on the Musa Sissoko? Um, Basically. There's a lot you can say about Musa, but I think the word I would use is fair play to him. Because when he came, he was useless, let's face it. For quite a long while, I know people tried to defend him, but I'd see him live, see him on the telly. Even when you see him live, he really was struggling, uh, even just as a technical player. And, you know, that's backdropped by him being 30 million quid, basically. So, And I don't know if it was by, I don't know, by design or circumstance, but he's still here. And whether we ever wanted to get rid of him or whether he ever wanted to leave because it went, you know, it looked like things weren't going to work out. He's stuck at it. And fair play to him for doing that. He's And that might show exceptional mental strength, we all know, because, you know, none of our fans particularly like thought he was any good. He had a lot of pressure from that kind of side of things and fans were still in the stadium then. But he's worth having here. He's a physical beast for some. And he must be, I think he's pushing 30 now, but he doesn't really look it. He still marches on through everything. I think I've even seen in games... I think once he might have run a hamstring off, I think I saw in one game. And I think in that Southampton New Year's Day game, when um, Harry done his hamstring, I think uh, Moose had a really big tackle with someone in the middle of the pitch and then just carried playing on. And then was out for six weeks with a knee injury. So um, he seems to be able to march for anything. And he's versatile. So I'm not going to knock him now. And I think he's got over the bad hump. So there you go. 
So Milo, Milo, come on in. I agree with Ricky. I mean, I'd play him in all the big games. I think uh, he's playing well in the role he plays. When you look at when he joined us, that right midfield position, he's not good there. Yeah, we, he also had you know, the diamond we had for a year. He's not well suited to either. Sorry, I've got Moby pulling faces. <laughs> Sorry, I had a horrible flashback to the diamond oh, to, there. To, to the diamond. <laughs> I, couldn't, I, I couldn't disguise my passionate dislike for that there <laughs> and the pain it caused me. But I, I think we've got to consider things like that in mitigation when we talk about Sissoko's early form with us. I, I think what's interesting him is about him is kind of the evolution of uh, Musa Sissoko at Spurs and how he's, you know, his position has kind of dropped back, hasn't it, over successive seasons under uh, under two managers now. And the version we've got now is the best version we've had. I, I think he's good in that role, particularly, particularly against the good teams. Against the weaker teams, I'd rather see, as we were saying earlier on, a, a midfield three of uh, Ndombele and and Hoybier and, uh, and Lo Celso. It seems a lot more positive to me, and we should be doing that in you know, most of our games over the season, for me. I have a very uh, positive view of him. I think he's the bravest player I've seen at our club since uh, since Pochettino came in. Uh, I think his bravery is second to none. He he went through some of the worst and vilest abuse that I've ever seen from our fans towards our own player. Uh, I, I, it actually disgusted me, some of the rubbish that I read about him. I mean, you know, it, it, it was uncalled for. And complete and and just not fair. And to show the mental fortitude he showed to play out of position and do a job for our team in several games uh, under Poch. I mean, not just one or two, several. He was consistently out of position. I don't think he played the position that he played at Newcastle for us for a couple of years, if I remember. No. I mean, he was literally coming in and filling in wherever the manager told him he could get a game. And and to keep his mouth shut, and to keep yeah. his head high, and to keep pushing forward and not denigrate the club in any way. I, 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 to me, that is a lifetime pass. It's a lifetime pass for me from that. And and so I, I find it hardly hypercritical of, of, of his of his bit because actually he is also responsible for some key moments, uh, not the least yeah. of which he's, you know, sub-assist for the winning goal against Ajax. I was going to say, I think he used that hard time to help uh, Ndombele get through his tough time last season as well. Uh, yes, he's, he's clearly a very, very popular player in the dressing room. Uh, he's a mensch, right? He's a mensch. Yeah, 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 I mean, that's yeah, what he is. You could see that after the Ajax game in the dressing room when they yeah. were all singing his name yeah. and everything. And yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah, he's clearly a very popular player. I think, um, yeah, he definitely helped Ndombele get through a tough time last season. And He's constantly helped Aurier. I mean, and this is one of the things yeah, about true. professional that's football that people thing. forget. People forget, no, in seriousness, and uh, I, people forget this about professional football. These are young men. Half of them can't even, as we discovered, I think, from Delhi, who boasted about making beans on toast a year ago, half of them can't make their own dinner. You know, they're young men, and they are subjected to some of the most uh, ridiculous pressure, uh, you know, regardless of whether they're paid well for it or not. It, you know, it's tough. And he looks to me like a very, very paternal figure in that dressing room. And I, it's, I think that's priceless. I think he's helped guide us through some tough moments. I mean, I think of the Champions League run. I think his role in that Champions League run has been sorely underrated. And it, it, it's funny, um, Awesome did, you know, he quipped about the Champions League final. And, and of course, 
he will always be remembered for giving away that penalty. Um, but as I think I've said to us, we discussed this before, you know, in that stadium, when that, as the game was kicking off, and you will have all heard it on the telly, the Musa Sissoko song was being belted out because finally, finally, people had recognised, I think, what he did bring. It's not about what he's done. What he can't do, he can't do. You don't have him in the team to finish like Harry Kane. Uh, you don't have him in the team to pass necessarily like Christian Eriksen. You have him in the team for the for the positives, as you say, for the strong transitions, for being physical, for winning the ball, for being able to drop in and play three positions in one game. Um, and that handball, uh, look, if Kieran Trippier actually knew where to be at that moment in time, I don't think that Sissoko has to tell him. And maybe his hand's down. I mean, that's the out I give him. Maybe I'm giving him an out. But for me, I think he's actually been... A, a, a brilliant signing for us over the years if you aggregate it and uh, you know a jack of all trades master of none possibly but I am a firm supporter of Musa Sissoko we'd, we'd get a fee Anyone? for him now though, wouldn't we we'd, we'd, we'd get a fee for him now wouldn't we which probably wasn't the case a couple of years ago um, yeah. I'm not sure we'd I hope we don't I think, I think we'd get decent money for him now He's 31 though, isn't he? And I'm just looping back on what Steph says, there's no doubt he's a, he's a lovely bloke. I mean, you know, you could tell that from the all or nothing documentary. And I think, you know, the cheerleading stuff that he does off the pitch, getting the, the French speaking players you know, integrated is fantastic. Uh, really pleased with that. It, it just reminds me of my, my favourite all or nothing moment, which is, was it after the first day, the way they edited it, when Sacramento walks in and says to Jose that he's, uh, you know, <laughs> who, who's the biggest personality in the in the dressing room? And he goes, Musa Sissoko. And Jose just goes, bleep. <laughs> that is just the best moment for me. It's, it sums it up, doesn't it? He's a, Sissoko's a great guy. As Steph says, that the battling back that he did two or three years ago to get into that team is phenomenal. I mean, he is a different player. Um, and, you know, I, I don't agree with anyone getting abuse or anything like that. I mean, that's just 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 awful. Um, so, no, he seems a great guy. I just I, I just wish we had, you know, I, I look back on the, the Wanyama and the Dembele season and maybe I need to move on. But unfortunately for him, you know, he, he's, he's not hitting those levels. Maybe he wasn't brought in to do that. But, um, but yeah, I, I think he's always going to fall short of that standard for me. Yeah, I think every team yeah, needs players like him. Every team needs players like him. So there's a place for him, definitely, because he's versatile and he's super fit. You know, he's, he's, he's reliable. And I know that sounds kind of slightly almost calling someone a bit kind of boring, but he's not. He's, he's, he's a valuable part of that whole squad, really. Would you take 10 yeah, million, well, a whole 10 million other... pound offer from Paris for him? 10 no, million? I wouldn't take any. Th- no, absolutely not. Priceless. No, I mean, mean, he's priceless right now. He's worth more than that. Spirit-wise. Uh, he's a, he's he's a leader. No, no, he's dressing room glue. I don't know. He stays. He stays for me. Wanyama is another th- player to talk about another time. Wickham Wanderers. What do we expect? What do we think is going to happen at Adams Park? Can I just um, say for start that when we drew them, I did open a live score to have a look where they were, and I did open it on Division Two, and they weren't in that. And then I opened it on Division One, and they weren't in that. I thought Championship. Yeah, Championship, and the, championship the only save. Yeah, the only saving grace was I had to scroll all the way to the bottom where they were cut adrift at the bottom. So that was. Are you are you are you nervous? No. Are you getting nervous seeing that? No, No. not really. I just had no idea they were in the championship. I always got to Division One and then thought they're not. They are actually in the league, but because I just didn't think they were in the championship. I know that's that sounds quite disrespectful and stuff, but um, um, I'm sure you know. Did you did you pick up what uh, what formation they play, Ricky? 
No, I haven't gone that deep. I'm, That's, uh, I'm, uh, I'm just Milo, wondering if Milo, we're going to match Milo. up to them. If they play five at the back, we'll have to match up to them is all I'm thinking. With that chap up front, we probably will need like... Um, so, on him, on him, he's, um, he, he's, he's bolstered up to 102 kilograms, six foot one, and he's played 19 games and got no goals and no assists. Hey, lockdown's been hard on a lot of us. 38 years old. Dyer's going to deal with him. I, I, I feel confident about this one. I mean, I know it's an away game in the FA Cup, but yeah, these these guys are going to be a little bit you you've know, done it now, worse mate. than, gonna, worse than Brentford, I'd say. They're going to freaking roast us now, mate. You've done it, haven't you? And I think they've had all their games called off or something, haven't they? Is there something? Oh, they'll be fresh. But I, I'm, I'm hoping that we can rest a few players. They say not, not as much as against Marine, obviously, but... Um, I'm, I'm hoping that we can see a few French players here and, and mm. give some people a rest. Do you reckon we'll rest Jensen? I, I, I'm not seeing it. And just, just to clarify uh, for the listeners, we are talking about Adibo Akin Fenway uh, is the is the player we're talking about. Obviously, I didn't want to butcher his name. Uh, well done, a, a, a giant. Well, I probably have anyway. But just to just to give some uh, some context, and you know, I, I, I have a different perspective. I think we need to take this game very seriously. I think that traditionally over the uh, the years, we, we tend to get arrogant about these games. I think he needs to, uh, you know, I think he needs to play a strong side. And I think they need to go out there and remember they're in a bloody football match and they're not waiting for a Tesco lunch at the end of it. You know, that that's that's uh, my sort of old school. A fair know, few of our squad were in the, a fair, few, a fair few of our squad were around when we played them last time, weren't they? You know, the likes yeah. of, Kane, Davies, Lloris, they're going to remember what happened last time where we were bloody lucky to get away with, was it 3-2? Oh, right. No, 4-3 um, in 97th yeah. so, which was genius goal. Crazy game. That's all the reminder. Mourinho's professional enough when it comes to these games. That's all the reminder he needs to give them is we nearly messed this up and that was at home. This is away. So we'll, we'll take it seriously enough. I'm not sure how much Jose, because obviously they could have scheduled it any time over the weekend, so I'm not quite sure how kind Josie took to uh, Jose took to um, being scheduled on the Monday because you know we got Liverpool Thursday so I, I don't I, I don't know if he said anything about that maybe he's just taking any stride no. yeah he's always pretty I, laid I back about these yeah, things pretty isn't laid he? back <laughs> yeah I think he's probably calculating the margins to which he can use the situation to his to his advantage and fair enough that will be to our advantage so Jose you do what you have to do and on that uh positive note I'd like to say I think we're probably all going to have to go and do what we're going to be doing with the rest of our days. So uh, thanks very much, chaps. You've been listening to The Game Is About Glory. For our next podcast, uh, we will be offering you some delightfully insightful, humorous, witty and occasionally insulting padding because there is no game to discuss. Please join us. See you then.